He's back on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. We're going to recap Team Canada's first exhibition game, plus give our best outcomes for the Thunder season and grade your takes. You've been leaving all week long what you think the best outcome for OKC would be. How many of you hit the nail on the head? How many of you are pretty ambitious? And some of you are even selling the Thunder a bit short. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are joined again by Cade Kimball to discuss Team Canada's first exhibition play. We're also going to dive into the best possible outcome for the Oklahoma City Thunder this season what that looks like for both of us and then all week long I've been telling you to leave your comment down below on YouTube on Twitter about what you think the best case scenario for the Thunder is if everything breaks right for the Thunder how good can they be uh, how good can they uh, look this season where can they finish the year so You've got your takes lined up. We're going to grade them on a spicy scale of one to five. One being, okay, pretty tame. Five being just unbelievably spicy and uh, outlandish. And so we're going to do that today with me and Cade Kimball at Cade Kimball on Twitter and podcast host for Inside the Thunder and editor for Inside the Thunder. Cade, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm glad to be back for the second episode in a row. I'm excited to grade some takes and see, see where Thunder fans' heads are at. Second episode in the row because I wanted to bounce some of these off of you about uh, what to expect from the Thunder and the high outcome. But we did watch Team Canada's first exhibition game, so let's get that out of the way first. Uh, Lou Dort was 5 for 9 from the floor, 2 for 4 from 3. SGA was 2 for 10 from the floor, 4 for 5 at the line, and 0 for 3 from 3. Uh, and, and SGA played spotty minutes. It was an exhibition game, so it was kind of like a preseason game where you know he didn't really get into – uh, a flow of minutes and didn't really play at the end, even though it was kind of a close game where they could have came back and, and had a massive comeback against Germany to win. Ultimately, Team Canada lost to Germany. Some quick things that stand out for me, you know, for Lou Dort specifically, he was a lot better attacking the basket and driving hard to the basket, threw down a couple of dunks, uh, still had that drive and kick, which, you know, for all the talk of how bad he was at the rim, which he was, he was one of the worst players at the rim, and there's no hiding that. The one area he got better at, was his decision-making there and how to get rid of the ball once he's at the rim. That carried over into FIBA this year, but he also this year uh, in FIBA looked a lot better at just hammering the dunk home and going up strong and not uh, failing at the rim. Obviously, he still missed some shots at the rim, but ultimately it was a bit better. And, of course, two for four from three you're going to take, especially with his defense. And him and Dylan Brooks out there together was a pretty wild defensive unit. But that's what stuff for me for Lou Dort. SGA, again, uh, <laughs> He didn't really, there's not really much to take away from SGA because it's just the spotty minutes and like there was no flow to it. He had a really nice cut though, which I think is going to get incorporated a lot more in, um, you know, the Thunder season. 
and he also missed the technical foul free throw. So it's yet again another time where the Thunder are going to struggle to make the technical foul free throws. I think hey, the the, you think? the biggest takeaway from uh, Lou Dort's game is he's playing a style that he's not going to play in the regular season. Uh, like, like we said, the perfect the perfect role for Lou Dort's going to be shoot the corner three, drive, make the right decision. So I guess in that in that regard, it's good for him to be able to make decisions, play a role ahead of where he's going to play in the regular season. So just kind of growing there and, and doing more than you're you're going to be asked to do is you know it's like doing extra homework. You don't have to do it, but it helps you. Now for Shea, like you said, it's out of rhythm. And Shea's perfect world. He's controlling the pace. He's he's controlling the game. It's in his hands. He's he's taking care of the style of the offense, and that's just that's not how it was for Canada's ex- exhibition game. As you said, spotty minutes. It's hard to get into a flow, the flow of the game. Hard to hard to find your rhythm whenever you're playing spotty minutes. But on top of that, you have people like R.J. Barrett and Kelly Olynyk just looking him off, not giving him the ball, not playing through him, just ha- having him on the court, basically, kind of like Usman Jing last season, just kind of being on the court sometimes. And whenever you do that, he's not going to shoot the best. He's he's taking shots that ideally he'd be taking in a regular season game for the Thunder. They just weren't falling, and that's okay. And like you said, it's an exhibition game. There's going to be more. There's going to be more to talk about as as they continue on. Yeah, he did have that. He did attack Dennis Schroeder on a few uh, back-to-the-basket moves and had that turnaround baseline fadeaway jumper that he uh, hits so often in the regular season. That was fun to see again um, from SGA in this one. But ultimately, uh, I'm interested to see Team Canada and, and also Team Australia, who's going to play an, an exhibition this uh, weekend. I think it is going to be important for the Thunder and, and how they play in FIBA and what and what they're asked to do. I think, for example, you look at Josh Gideon, he's going to get to run a show and he's going to get to be the guy on a team. Uh, and obviously, that that's an area of development for him. That way he can be prepared for whenever, whatever happens in an 82-game season. The odds are Shea's not going to play all, all 82. The odds are Josh isn't going to play all 82. So each of them need to be prepared to be a lead guy and a lead ball handler and a and, and the go-to guy on the roster. Obviously, Shea has that kind of down at this point, but for Josh Giddy to get that development is going to be huge. Uh, for Jack White, going to play a meaningful basketball is going to be huge and, and to have another opportunity to impress Thunder decision makers ahead of training camp. He, he is signed to a two-year deal, but there is no financial commitment hardly to him to where he's still very much on that roster bubble on the chopping block for the Thunder. So getting a big FIBA tournament with Josh Giddy and then and then getting getting that momentum into training camp is huge. And then you mentioned with Lou Dort, you know, I, I think that with Lou Dort, whenever the FIBA pool play starts and like Shea's playing normal minutes and RJ's playing normal minutes and like this Canadian, you know, this team Canada's playing normal minutes and trying to win basketball games and like playing their guys and their style. I think that Lou Dort's role should look similar to what we hope it looks like in OKC, where he's playing great defense, but then he's relegated more so to just you know a corner three point shooter who, who who's the kind of kind of uh, keep the offense in rhythm whenever he gets the ball swung to him, versus him actually going to make plays happen offensively. I think that that's a, a role that he can be more efficient in, and with all the talented NBA players on Team Canada that surround him, once you get into a, a bigger rotation and a better rotation in real pool play. I think that that should happen for the door. And if that doesn't happen, it just, it does raise some eyebrows. Now it's not going to be uh, the end all be all, but it would raise some eyebrows to me. And then watching Shea, it's kind of just like the fun thing to do. Like, cause like there's not really much to take away from Shea and FIBA, but it, it, cause he's, he's done so much in the NBA already, but it's still fun to watch him play and see what else he's been working on. Uh, see what he can add. And he did try out some of those step back threes yesterday. 
it's a, it's a great time to be experimental. And just kind of to your point about doing more than you're going to be doing the regular season, obviously it's a lot easier to, to play a, a bigger expanded role and kind of condensing that in the regular season and being more efficient in your condensed role because you know what it takes to play a bigger one. And then kind of to the, the Josh and Shea point, they're going to play different lineups. Their, their minutes are going to be staggered. They're going to have to head their own lineups. They're going to have to add different parts of the game, take control of the game, and keep the keep the flow of the game going, keeping the thunder and rhythm, playing with a good pace, playing thunder basketball. And so Shea, Josh getting that experience is still going to be impactful, even if him and Shea play a lot of their games together. It's going to be fun to see them, you know, play separately and then play together. And it's going to help them, I think, gel and play better together as well. Uh, we talk about a lot how, how players discuss these FIBA and, and Olympic times uh, playing international basketball really helps them develop. I mean, even Shea last year talked about how playing for Team Canada helped him flip the switch defensively and helped him get better defensively uh, for this NBA season where he played his best defense in the NBA. So that was impressive and, and, and important, I should say, as well for SGA and Team Canada and everyone involved. But that's kind of the gist of the FIBA stuff. I cannot wait to see Team Australia play this this weekend because of the intrigue of a guy that you have on the roster bubble playing uh, for Team Australia, that will make things a bit higher stakes for OKC specifically. Uh, but ultimately, they also have a really good squad, just like uh, Team Canada does. After seeing Team Canada in the exhibition and, and falling behind you know, big to Germany, then coming back and then falling short, do you still peg them as the favorite? Having seen them in exhibition play, we watched Team USA in exhibition play, do you still consider Team Canada the favorite to win? I'll put them, like you said, right on the bubble of of – Right with Team USA. I think it's head to head. I think it comes down to play play Team Canada, play their best players the, the right amount of minutes. I think things look a lot different. And I think, you know, just getting these games out of the way, these exhibition games out of the way, you kind of learn a lot about who you're playing with and what you're playing with. And, you know, honing in on playing through your stars and which stars to play through and really having SGA take command on that team because we didn't see him do that this last game. So having him really take command makes him a lot better of a team, whereas Team USA has a lot of guys to do that with, a lot of guys to play through. So if they can't figure that out and Team Canada realizes, hey, we've got our best player, let's play through him there's a good chance that they're, they're the better team. I think that Team Canada is still going to be my pick to win it, uh, but I think that Team USA, Team Australia even, and, and of course there's a, other talented teams in the field as well. It's going to be a fun tournament, and it's going to it's going to be something that we need to bridge the gap from now until training camp and, the, and, and preseason. But the NBA season is only 75 days away, so like it's not that long of a wait, but it still feels like forever. But what you should no longer wait to do is go to – Bird Dogs, our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Visit birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA or use the promo code LockedInNBA to get a free tech hat with any purchase. It's a beautiful, beautiful dad hat. Cade, you've seen the dad hat in person. You know what it looks like. It looks perfect. It's a great hat. It's one of my favorite hats. I'm going to wear it today, actually, as I go cover some high school football practices. So check it out. You can get your, of course, great shorts, which I think are the thunder of shorts, the Bird Dog shorts, because they are so versatile. Uh, they, they're stretchy, they are comfortable, they, they can breathe, you can breathe in them, but they also look good for like, if you want to go to a business meeting, you can wear your bird dogs. And if you want to walk out of that business meeting and go play basketball, they're so flexible, you can go do that in those same shorts. It is incredible to see what bird dogs can do. And so make sure you check them out by going to birddogs.com slash locked on, enter the promo code locked on MBA and get a free white tech hat. That's birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA or promo code LockedInNBA for a free white tech hat. You will not want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that because they are truly amazing. 
We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Cade, you joined us yesterday. You join us today. You, I asked you this question about the Thunder's best case scenario, and I just want to give you a chance to reprise your answer. So the question is, as the season starts in 74, 75 days, if everything went perfectly for the Thunder, health, development, you know, rotations were on point, everything was perfect. In a perfect season, what is the best case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I'm going to stay true to what I said. I think at the end of the season, whenever you're looking back on the season and say, was it successful? If the team looks better on the court, and they've laid the, the, the groundwork for a perennial playoff team leading into a contender in a few years, that's a successful season. But if everything's perfect on paper, I, again, I like 46 and 36 as their record. I think that's a last season that would have landed them as a top four seed. That would have landed them a home playoff series. And if you get that, that's a, that's a significant win. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing this team make the leap to a top three team, a top two team in the West. That's a, that's very ambitious. I think that's a little bit too much. But I think in a perfect world, they can they can claim that top four seed, forty six and thirty six. Um, it's not necessarily a knock on the Thunder. The West is loaded. The four seed and the the A seed could have not that big of a gap between them, and it could be a matter of touche healthy games or you know. So if they're healthy, I think forty six and thirty six. And I think if they're not healthy, dropping back to forty two and forty. You know, the the, the margin for error is not very big. So in a, even in a perfect season, forty six and thirty six seems reasonable. Yeah, last year the Kings won 48 games and were the three seed, and they took everybody by surprise. They were the surprise team to leap up um, and the young, up-and-coming team to leap up. But I think that, you know, that that is a great goal to have, but four to, you know, a four or five seed is, is more so realistic for this Thunder team in the terms of the best-case scenario. Now, a four seed as your best-case scenario for this young of a team is still really good. Like the, the, we got to remember, like the Thunder won't be the youngest team in the NBA anymore, but they'll still be one of the youngest teams in the NBA this season, and and that is impressive in and of itself. But you look at the pathway to get to a top four seed, and it's going to be Chet Holmgren putting up Rookie of the Year caliber numbers. Will he actually get the award? We'll see. I personally think that you know the voters are going to have some some narrative driven votes of like if Victor even plays a second, they're going to give him the award. Uh, but if Chet can get you close to a double-double, if he can get you two blocks a game, if he can stretch the floor, that opens up so many things on both ends of the floor for the Thunder and gives you such a different dynamic that that 41 team from last year is instantly improved, instantly transformed. SGA sustaining around 30 points, you know, 31 points, 30, 29 points, whatever it is, on great efficiency. That is going to be huge too. Uh, and then and then you see Josh Giddy, who I think is going to take a leap as a scorer. I think that you saw at the end of last season as he was attacking smaller players without hesitation toward the end of last season, he's going to be able to do that again this year. He's going to be matched up on smaller guys because it's a six, nine point card. So he's going to be matched up on matched up on other guys uh, all throughout the season. And now I think he feels more comfortable taking them to the rack and, and, and scoring in that way. I think that J-Dub is going to become a more comfortable and aggressive offensive weapon. If that happens, that helps you reach your best case scenario. And then I still believe that Lou Dort can just be a corner three and D shooter. Now that that part is probably the, the the hardest one to actually have happen. Now Lou Dort has had every year, but his rookie year he shot forty percent or better from three in the corner. The problem is getting him to to accept and relegate to that corner three role. Hopefully it can happen. 
I personally think that's the best way to use him. We'll see if the Thunder agree. We'll see if Lou Dort agrees. We'll see if that actually happens. But this is my ideal best-case scenario for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So when you look at all that, and then you mention the depth, I think that Micic automatically makes your second unit better. Kaysen Wallace is going to be a nice addition as a guy who can shoot, as a guy who can defend. And then you get Kenneth Williams back. Like Kenneth Williams was incredible last year, like incredible last year. And getting him back is huge. Isaiah Joe, Jay Will, Wiggins, Usman Jang, Poku, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Armstrong, Dallas Bertans, whoever you play at that end of the roster doesn't really matter, but you still have like 10, 12 guys, 13, 14 guys who you are really, really, really excited about. And that depth alone mixed with the fact that this is a young Thunder team that will care about winning regular season games is part of why you can see such a massive leap in win total and in their best case scenario. You look at that leap from 40 to 46 wins and like, what does that really take? And like you said, all those guys have to have to take a leap. You're almost expecting a leap from leap from everybody. It's hard to, at this age to, to imagine anybody regressing to a point where it's going to hurt their ceiling. I think their ceiling is just kind of open because everybody is so young. And like you said, there's 15 guys that you could realistically roll out on the court and they look like they're supposed to be there. That's the level of youth and the level of young talent that they've got is you roll anybody out on the bench and you're confident, hey, they're, they're going to play positive minutes for us. They're going to play into the system we've established. And and for the Thunder, that's that, that makes you feel safe. That makes you feel comfortable. And and having that allows you to kind of play more of a freestyle, whereas other teams, even in the, in the top four in the West, they have their eight guys that are leaning on. Once you get past that, it's like, is he going to be a big negative for us? Is he going to hold us back? And just having that many options for your style that, that fits, fits the bill. That's just so, so, so comfortable for the team. I, I think that this team is going to be a fun one to watch. And even if they don't hit this, hit this best case scenario where they're a top four seed, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good season. Nonetheless, like you said, like there, there's going to be a way where even without this high outcome, top four seed, they still showed great signs of improvement and great signs of being a better team than they were last year and then getting to build on that each offseason after this. Like the the draft capital, the the ability to make trades, the ability to improve this roster doesn't go away anytime soon. Like they've extended this draft asset window so far out that they can continue to improve this roster for a long time coming. So this year is really, you know, I understand why fans like treat it like it is a a all in type of year because of you you leaped up to 40 wins last year but really this this year is still a litmus test a baseline test of what this core four can be because you're going to have to integrate chad holmgren into it for the first time and you're going to have to see what the dynamics look like between j-dub and lou dort and josh giddy all of them who are still you know finding their roles offensively i, th- I think that josh giddy specifically people forget is only 20 years old and is only in year three and so we've kind of gotten for lack of a better term, bored of watching Josh getting just kind of pigeon him into what he is at this point. When in reality, he's still finding his, his ways to score. He's still finding his ways to, to impact the game on both ends of the floor. Like just like last year, as the season progressed, he got better and better and better at taking smaller guys off the dribble. He'll find little ways like that to score. Like he, if there's anything about Josh Giddy, he's going to adjust. He's going to develop. He's going to get better uh, because him, J-Dub, Chet, like they're basketball junkies. They're guys that, that care about impacting it. I think that the reason why it's so easy for even national people and local people to have high expectations on this team is because it just seems so seamless. Like it, it, the, the, the Chet addition seems like it checks all the boxes. It seems like it fixes everything. 
It's a lot of pressure on Chet, but it does. It's, it feels like he fixes everything. It feels like there's no way that Josh or J-Dub ever regress because they're so talented and they're so committed and they're so uh, hardworking, yada, 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 to where uh, I understand why, why the best-case scenario that we're talking about is oftentimes just people's expectation, expectation for this team. I think a 46 and 36 season still leaves you so much room to grow. And like being a 50 win team, you're a contender, like you are a championship contender and you're, you're just a few games off from that. So I think that leaves you a lot of room to grow. And then you talk about Josh Giddy becoming a better scorer and impacting the offensive on a deeper level playing with Australia. He's going to have to find a ways to attack the defense with the ball in his hands. Something he doesn't have to do a whole lot in the regular season, playing alongside Shea or even Mitchich or even Jada. Those guys can take that pressure off of him and kind of learning how to attack a defense with the ball in your hands. You're moving the defense around. You're getting them out of out of shape yourself, but you're also attacking it. Whereas Shea's going to do that for you in the regular season. You're going to catch the ball as a secondary scorer, and you can attack from there. And you know, even just set somebody else afterwards. Take the take the basket for yourselves. He's going to learn how to attack a defense a lot better, being in control, than he would if he just was a second or third best player with Australia. So I think his his leap. He has the potential to have have the biggest leap for the team for the entire season. I think because again, like you said, just 20 years old, coming into season three. And with everything he's learned so far, on top of applying that with Team Australia, having talent around him and attacking the defense all by himself for his teammates and for himself, there's just so much room to grow. It's going to be fun to watch him grow and watch him develop. And I think that part of the reason why these are expectations, which we're going to grade here coming up, are going to be a little bit lofty in some cases, I think is the fact that if you just turn this question on its head, and I'm going to ask you, in your opinion, what is the worst case scenario for the Thunder? Now, obviously, like if if Shay, J Dub, and Chet never play a game because they all got hurt tomorrow, like okay, not that worst case scenario. Like if this team plays and if this team is on the court, what is their worst case scenario for this season? I still think that they're a forty-win team. I still think even in their worst case scenario, say they get hit with injury bug consistently, but nothing too obviously season ending. They're still probably right around a forty-win team and like. Their, their floor is just as achievable as their ceiling as a 41 team as a, and being a 46-win team because that that variation and the amount of parity in the league. Now, I still think, worst case scenario, they're still right in there in the play and race, maybe just outside of it towards the end of the season, having to really, really chase. But they're still a play-in postseason team, even in the worst case scenario. They're not going to be a bottom team in the West anymore. That Those days are behind them. Nothing but up for the team now. So I think even in the worst case scenario, you're still a very good team and you're still still a threat on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, I think that that right there is kind of why this Thunder fan base is so on fire right now for this season is because, you know, worst case scenario, as long as they're, you know, of course, as long as they're healthy and they play, then they're going to be in the playing tournament and they're going to be vying for a playoff spot. And we saw last year, like if you're if you're if you're in the playing tournament, you're only a game or two out of the of the real deal uh, playoffs. So. All season long, you're going to be in contention for the actual, you know, top six seed actual playoffs. And so I think that that is the worst case scenario. And a lot of it is due to how young they are and they can develop and they can get better, but also due to the West. Like, like the Thunder are not going to be a team that come March is going to say, well, you know, we're probably better off just, just losing because what's the point at this point of, of trying to go to the playing tournament? Because they have so many other outlets to get those high lottery picks that just like last year, they were able to go for it while Dallas shut it down, while Portland shut it down, while other teams shut it down. The Thunder benefited from that also and, and got a very valuable experience in the playing tournament because of, of other teams shutting it down and also because of them closing the season um, and, and taking care of business a little bit uh, toward the stretch of the season last year. Uh, so I, I think ultimately this Thunder team will be playing postseason basketball this year, and it feels almost like a guarantee. When that feels like a guarantee, 
then it, it leads to kind of expectations running rampant in this fan base. I think with a 30 points per game player and, you know, a lot of young talent around him along with himself evolving no, almost no matter what, like anything short of postseason basketball is, is a major letdown and something went incredibly south and you have to really evaluate what you have, what you have and what went wrong. I just don't see an avenue for that to happen. I think no matter what, it's postseason basketball. And I think no matter what level of postseason basketball you get, you have to be excited with this team and where they're going. And like I said, how you evaluate the success on the season isn't going to have to be they finish at this seed or this seed. It's like, we've got this. They were able to compete every single night. That That's your ultimate goal is competing every single night consistently. And we've mentioned it uh, even just yesterday. What they're going to provide in terms of depth and youth, they're going to be able to compete throughout the entire long, treacherous season and endure a lot of challenges and be able to roll out, you know, 10 solid guys, they're going to be able to compete better than those teams that only have eight guys for, for the, for the long regular season. That might give them a slight one or two game edge over those, those teams that have been here and been competing for a while. It's going to be interesting to see how this team unfolds for OKC coming up. We're going to talk about your expectations. You've left comments all week long. We're going to grade them on our spicy scale coming up. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball, joined today by Kate Kimball, Inside the Thunder Podcast host, Inside the Thunder editor as well. Now, I've been asking you all week on the pod to drop below your best case scenarios for the Thunder, and we're going to grade them right now. First one from Ken. Best case scenario would be the fourth seed. Worst case scenario is the play-in tournament. Either way, the Thunder are making the playoffs. Seems like a one to me. Again, the scale is one being the most realistic. Five is like, whoa, you were way out there ambitious on your uh, prediction. This is a one because I think that we literally just said that and agreed with it. Yeah, I'm going to go with one. That's word for word, basically what we just said. Probably I would have to assume the same reasoning. So yeah, just a conservative one. I think that the best case scenario for the Thunder from Zebo is the Thunder are playing team. The worst case scenario is that they're out of the play-in and entirely. I think that that is a four. If that's your best case scenario, I mean, we got to dream a little bit bigger here on the best case scenario for the Thunder. Yeah, that's a it's a pessimistic way to look at it. I think four is fair. I think you'd almost go five because we said that's the worst case scenario is to hit the play-in, you know, area, and that's his best. So I think, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with four borderline five. Yeah, I, 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 I think that you can get a little bit bolder than that being uh, your best case scenario in your wildest dreams. Uh, this one, this next one comes from Stretch. 48 wins is the perfect best season for OKC. 48 wins. I mean, that that gets you um, around at, at the exact Kings total last year, which would be a four seed or, a, you know, it could be a three seed. Even that's what the Kings were last year is a three seed. So it's 48 wins on the one to five scale. How how spicy is that? I'll give it a two. I mean, that's still really close to 50 wins. And that jump, that's it. That's an eight win jump. So that's a very, very hard to do. But at the same time, 46 to 48, two games just go your way in the late game. Other teams miss something or or you hit a game winner. You're right there. This one comes from Andre. Best case scenario is top two seed and hosting, of course, the playoff series that the Thunder win and get to the second round. So they win their first playoff series since Kevin Durant was in town and they were a top two seed in the West. How spicy is that? 
I think it's spicy in the fact that I don't know that they'll be a top two seed. That's very, very, very ambitious. I, I don't know if they can make a jump to, to that level because that's that's in the 50 win range. And that's a, another like 10 win jump. And that's really hard to replicate. So but winning a playoff series, if you're a top four seed, that's not out of the realm. You're obviously, you know, you landed at, at a higher seed than your opponent. So if you're a top four seed winning a, a playoff series, is, it might not be the most surprising thing. So I, I guess I have to go with like a three. It's like right in between. A two seed to me, I'm gonna go with a four. It's it's not crazy, but to get to a two seed from being a 41 team, I'm not gonna say it's impossible. It's it's been done before, but has a massive leap. You're putting it out there as your best case scenario. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the boldness. I'm gonna go with a four for being a two seed. Now, here's one where, where I will swap with you, and I'm gonna go with it's a two, one or two. The best case scenario from Oliver is the Thunder finish fourth in the standings they make it to the second round but get bounced in the second round and along the way it's Michich, joe jay will kenny hustle and poku uh, helping them as depth pieces i think that's a two i think that that's pretty realistic i think it's realistic in the sense of if you're a four seed and you want a playoff series you're likely playing the one seed and doing that you're probably not going to put much much of a fight if you're the thunder in that second round series but i think yeah four seed is right where we've been been landing the thunder in a best case scenario and winning a playoff series would be huge. And even just hosting a playoff series would be huge, but I think it's most definitely you're, you're beginning bounced at assembly best case scenario. In the words of Ted Lasso, we do what no one believes we can. And when the whole bleeping thing believe winning the NBA finals on a scale of one to five, how crazy is it? Six. I just don't see an avenue for that. I don't know how anyone can see an avenue for that. Yeah, this team has a, a few jumps to make before they're even in the range of people really putting them that contender status. Even even national media saying this team's going to arrive. What they say when they say that is they're going to be a perennial playoff team. No contender. Nobody is really ready to loop them in the contender status yet. And there's things you have to see before you put them there. So I think that is a, a scorching hot take. So this one, let's grade the entire prediction one to five, not just the standing or the outcome. So Deep Light Gamer says the best case scenario for the Thunder is a four seed, okay? You win a playoff series with a second-round exit, okay? But Chet winning Rookie of the Year, Jay, uh, Dort winning Defensive Player of the Year, Shea is in the MVP conversation, Dub and Giddy are in the MIP conversation, and Coach Agnot wins Rookie, uh, wins Coach of the Year, not Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year. If How... Likely is that all of that comes true. Now let's break it down. So the four seed, yeah, we 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 agree with that. That's cool. Uh, winning a play, winning a playoff series again hasn't been done since Kevin Durant was in town. So like that's that's kind of spicy a little bit, especially for such a, such a young team playing in their first playoff series ever. A coach coaching in his first playoff series ever. That's going to be quite the task for OKC this year. Uh, Chet winning Rookie of the Year, not entirely spicy, but again, you know, t- tough competition in Victor uh, there, and of course, Scoot is hanging around as well. Dort. Depoy, Shea, MVP, Dub or Giddy, MIP. Shea was already in MVP conversations. I think that it's fair to say if you finish top five in MVP, you're in the conversation. Now, for the sake of Spice, let's say that he means like, hey, Shea's in the conversation as in Tim Bomptemps is on the Hoop Collective just beating down the door for him to be the actual MVP uh, in, in the place of the, in, instead of a Jokic and Bede fight that him and Brian have, it's going to be a Shea and Tatum fight that him and win horse taps. Let's say that for the sake of spice, what would you give this prediction in totality on the one to five spice scale? I'm about to go with five. If you laid an eight leg parlay in a game with 
in a night with eight basketball games and you pick the favorite for every single one of them because you know they're 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 going to be close it's, it's going to be bound to happen and every one of those players is going to be in the conversation for what he said having all of them is almost impossible like you're not going to predict right and not everything's going to go best case scenario in that in the sense of no, like like you said, it's narrative driven. Lou Dort's likely not going to win the defensive player of the year because guards rarely do, and it took forever for Marcus Smart to get his. I just don't see you know all of them happening together. Now I think all of them will be close. All of them will be in conversations, and you and you come back and visit the conversation. You're like, wow, that's a lot of love for the Thunder from media and the voting, and that's still you know a great thing for for the market of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I just think having all of them here would be insane. So Steve, Steve Thomas says, come on, Cade, that's your absolute best case scenario because yesterday you said top six and then you had to explain it today on what you meant by the record in top six. Dream bigger. And this dream is a six pepper dream, a six pepper dream. Get ready for it. Steve says the Thunder are going to go 59 and 23, a two seed and a trip to the Western Conference Finals. If you're 59 and 23, you better sweep the NBA finals. And this NBA, the way things that's that's a very tough challenge with the amount of parity in the NBA, as we've hammered the whole episode. The amount of parity in the NBA in the Western Conference, if you win 59 games in the Western Conference, you should win the, the whole entire thing and Shea should be finals MVP. You should book that. Again, not in the possible of it's it's just not possible. It just doesn't seem likely. And to even really think that, you've got to be a Thunder fan for 40 years, having endured so many, so many playoff letdowns, which in their 15 years they they have really. But you have to really, really, really have endured a lot of losses to be that optimistic. So Cement Eagle gives a little bit of fan fiction here. So close your eyes, everybody, unless you're driving. Don't close your eyes. The 65th win will be in the championship at home. Game six in the Boston Garden. The Thunder take down the Celtics to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's a seven pepper. At least. It's even worse. <laughs> Although, as we know from watching Winning Time, bleep Boston. So let's let's go win a title against Boston. Let's go the win Thunder the eventually get there. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll, we'll be quoting Shakespeare and, and giving some fire-up speeches here on Locked on Thunder uh, if that were to happen. Now, now Kate, I want to give you the shot to defend yourself to these glass-half-empty accusations from the comments section. This one from my boy Scott. Kate is, quote, glass half empty kind of guy, huh? Mm. I think if you're looking at a season, you're looking at a team that is coming off a 41 season with a huge jump. I guess you could call it glass half empty. I would call it realistic, a realistic way of thinking. Um, I understand being optimistic, and I think 46 and 36 is still an optimistic outlook on the season. I think that's just glass half full. You're going to be a way better team. That's all there really is to it at a very holistic take. Glass half full, they're going to be a very good team. So this comment is what we're going to end on from at the Kanye West, which I don't think is actually Kanye West. Now grade the totality of this prediction one to five. The best case scenario I believe could be the three seed at worst, the four seed. So their margin is the three seed or the four seed at face value saying the best case scenario is the three seed. Again, the Kings did it. Like, the Kings made the jump. Why not the Thunder? Okay, whatever. But whenever you're only going to give them a range of a three or a four seed, I got to give you five peppers there. I'm going to go with four for the sole fact that, like, the, the Thunder are going to be what the Thunder are. They're, they've established themselves in the fact that they, their identity is real. 
They're going to play the same way. They're going to play with what they have. And we know we know from our point of view that Chet, Kaysen Wallace, Mitchich, they're going to be immersible pretty easily. It's going to be a seamless transition to adding them from the court. I think they're going to be what they are. And I think if you're really comfortable with what the West is and how people are going to perform and who they're going to play throughout the whole 82-game season, sure, why not? So I think it's a four. I don't think it's incredibly spicy, but obviously it's on the spicier end of the scale. At MD11 says that the best case scenario is to win it all in OKC. I think we both agree that that's not quite the time yet for OKC to win a championship right now, but why not? Why not us? That's the beauty of it. In August, anyone can win a title. In August, everyone's zero and zero. And and to win a title, you know what you got to do, Kate? You got to get to the playoffs. And so for the Thunder to be a team that is is guaranteed or viewed as a kind of a guarantee-ish team, to be in the postseason, they're one of only what sixteen teams that can actually do it. So uh, that that's that's the beauty of basketball. Cade, what do you got brewing up for us with your content coming up? Um, just expect a lot of season previews. The season's right around the corner, as you said, seventy-five days away. We're right around the corner. And uh, just one last comment. Evidently, every season, best case scenario, NBA championship. Every single season, that's best case scenario. But uh, keeping it more realistic, just get to the playoffs. Don't skip steps. Just one step at a time, get to the playoffs next year, climb up the playoff ladder, win a couple of series. So I uh, just think expect a lot of season previews. The season's really right around the corner. Just stay patient. Expect some FIBA content, of course. Shea's going to win the whole thing. Maybe maybe not. Maybe Josh Giddy takes it, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, technically speaking, the best case scenario is to win a championship for every team, even even the Hornets. Like, if their best case scenario would be, like, to win a championship. But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about this season. We'll preview the season a heck of a lot more in the next 75 days. So it's going to be a lot of fun to get all that through the content machine. Go follow Kate on Twitter at Kate Kimball, uh, Inside the Thunder podcast host and InsideTheThunder.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles right here on Lockdown Thunder every single day and ThunderousIntentions.com. And until next time, be good. Be good to one 